This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Hey, welcome to the EM Weekly show. And, you know, this this week we're talking to, to well, we've had her on the show before, to Desi. And if you, this is, she is in the emergency manager space, kind of like Madonna, like the person who you just know by one word. And and Desi, I normally don't read the the full bio uh, or, you know, the bios out aloud in the show. But in this case, I love the way she's written it. She's the, or who wrote it for her, but the disaster's equivalent to, Magu- to MacGyver. And for those of you that are millennials who don't know what MacGyver is, he's, you got to go look it up because one of the guys who can you know he's able to escape out of a room with a toothpick and a piece of bubble gum so that's uh, that's definitely desi and she, and we're going to talk about her new book that she has out the future survivor and you might know her when we had her on the show talking about the fit team every once in a while you might see me with a ball cap on that says fit and that's her program as well uh, the field uh, innovation team and desi where are you welcome to <laughs> the show Hey, hey, Todd. Hey, Daniel. How are hey, you? Well, come on. Okay, who named you the MacGyver of, of disasters? Well, actually, it came from a woman who helped us respond to the Boston Marathon bombings uh, back in 2013. And um, living up to the name this past winter, right before the pandemic hit the United States, we were literally using duct tape, paper clips uh, to help hold up these cameras as we were doing these virtual reality evacuation routes in all of the Chicago airports in Midway and O'Hare. So, um, so I hope we continue to live up to the name. I hope that that uh, continues to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest though to everybody about the idea of Desi being known as Desi, because if you say her name in the circles that we run in, everybody knows who you're talking about. It's not like there's, oh, who? You're like, no, okay, yeah, absolutely. You know, and the cool part about it is, Desi, your book, Future Survivor, and I, and I bought a copy of it, um, it is a, it's, a, it's a fun book, right? And I say fun as much as – one of the things I, I, I stress about is when we talk about preparing people for disasters um, – we tend as emergency managers to try to scare people like, ah, the next big one is coming. The disaster is coming and blah, blah, you know, and it's just like, okay, let's fear you into preparing, but you do it a little differently with future survivor. Tell me a little bit about that process and why you came up with, with that. Yeah. Future survivor is all about the fact that each one of us has to be prepared, but we know that storms and disasters, the intensity and frequency it's increasing. Look, you've got, You and Daniel have wildfires in California. Um, I had my share of an earthquake. We've all had the pandemic. Things are getting stronger and more intense, and we're seeing it more frequently. So Future Survivor is these three basic steps on how you creatively saw in a global pandemic, or you're just trying to figure out how to get your kids to school and also get back to work um, and teleworking. Right. Well, I've been saying I've been saying since you know this this started kicking up with with COVID is that we should take advantage of 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 the event itself and and use it to educate and prepare um, the community and the, and even with the children for 
what's coming next and how to be prepared and how to stay prepared. So how can how does your your book address stuff like that? Yeah, there's a great example. Um, we all as parents, I'm a parent of two kids, uh, Levi and Logan, fantastic, very creative, very interesting and very bright. Um, but we all run into challenges. So a great example is one of the chapters. There is a subsection about the magician of the valley. And um, unfortunately, um, sometimes our kids get into trouble. They get into doing different things. And even though we, we do our best, um, sometimes got to help them figure a creative solution out. And so, uh, Daniel, one of the stories is about how I'm in a grocery store and it's like everyone's avoiding me. And this is not COVID time. This is not a pandemic. Um, I'm just walking around this little mountain town in the aisles in the grocery store, grabbing bread, eggs and milk and trying to talk to parents as I see them, you know, say, hey, you know, we should do our carpool. And it's like every single grocery cart is going in opposite direction. People are literally running away from me and I can't figure out what's going on. And so this happened many, many years ago as my one kid was transitioning from middle school to high school. And one honest parent one day said, "Uh, you probably noticed everybody's avoiding you in the town. And I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't understand why. Um, And she said, well, uh, we think your kid is dealing drugs. And okay, you're an emergency manager. Um, You like to abide by the law and you work with law enforcement in as you know, we do a lot of work in communities and are very public facing. The last thing I want to think is that my kid is in this valley dealing drugs. So uh, we get right at it. Tear up his room, look for things, uh, ask him a million questions. We come across absolutely nothing, nothing at all. This is just a big rumor. And finally, we ask him, he's my youngest, are, is this true? Are you are you actually doing this? And he he says no. But we realize he's looking for a way to get attention. And fortunately, he picked a really negative way to do that. So the book for me, uh, I use that three step process. I figured out what am I solving for? I'm solving for this for my son and this rumor that he he's a drug dealer. Who am I solving for? Him and and our family. And why am I solving for them? And step two, because the fact that. We need to find a positive way to integrate them into this valley and this society. And it's a small mountain town. So when rumors get out, everybody knows it from, you know, from your rabbi to your priest to to the grocery clerk to the teacher in your school. So um, so how we did it was he uh, he was really into magic cards. He loved to be a magician and to play tricks and do things like that. And so working with him, we used that three step process as a team to make him and reinvent his image as the magician of the valley. So this was a crisis for me, and this is a crisis for him and and for our family. But I'm at the grocery store months later. Things have calmed down. And one of the principals of the schools comes up to me and says, we'd really like the magician of the valley to come, you know, to the school and, and perform tricks. And so he became known around the valley as this magician and reintegrated back in in a positive way. But you can see it was it was quite a crisis. Oh wow, that's a that's an amazing personal story. Big thing to overcome, but you did it in a very great way. Yeah. So what I what I like about the book is the way you you've put it in there. You said, "Are you prepared?" You know, you go through the the basic stuff, then then you go in there and it's like, "Okay, now your turn." Right? It's your turn to practice, and you put the whole practice session inside there. Um, I, did you research that beforehand, or is this just something that you came up with? I mean, like, because I think that's a brilliant way of of doing a preparedness book. 
Absolutely. So the book is meant to be obviously stories. Stories are real. Many of them are my own personal firsthand accounts. Like I said, Boston Marathon bombings, Hurricane Sandy, Magician of the Valley, my child. But they're also stories of communities we went into, like Emily the Firefighter in Rockport. So you definitely have the book and the stories. But then you're right, Todd. One of the things we want to do is have this interactive process because to read about how you can use this simple, basic three-step process is fantastic. But we also want to commit it to memory. So about 10 years ago, we had several universities studying the team because the team kept coming up with these outrageously good and interesting and very creative solutions. But people kept asking us. This came from Harvard University. We had folks from Stanford. They kept saying, what's the process you use? And no one could really figure it out. Um, And so we started to, over 10 years, look at what the team would do. And we had people study us to figure out what are the steps that they'll be able to create this robotics petting zoo on a border crisis or fly drones in this mudslide. It was these three steps. And so the book has these interactive frameworks that break down each one of those steps. Um, So I'll just show you uh, uh, like a picture of it, but you get a chance to fill out the book Um, And take each step one at a time. And these are just some of the illustrations. It gives you an opportunity to actually interact with it. So you get a a more Oklahoma tornado and you have to try to solve for what happened in 2013. And then you get a chance to figure out what FIT did in that disaster. Now, is this taking, I mean, are you basically taking your do tanks that the FIT team does and, and just sort of putting it into a book? I mean, this is, this is some good stuff in here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the same process. The do tanks are the idea that we want communities, emergency responders, and, and leaders to actually do and apply and create a solution that they can roll out in real time. Um, they're usually done in preparedness, but we do run do tanks, as you know, sometimes in emergencies. Um, so yeah, the Future Survivor book is literally that same exact process. One, two, three, that's it. So you're so a lot of these stories, you know, they come from your fit team and they come from the, the individuals that came up with these these ideas. How did you build your team? What are you looking for um, when you're when you're looking to build your team? Yeah, the neat thing is uh, we look for people who are thinking out of the box. Um, we're not interested in the fact that you have all these accolades. It's great if 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 you have an Ivy League degree, if you've been in emergency management 30 years, you bring wisdom But what we're looking for is for people who have a different way of viewing a challenge. So, for instance, a toy inventor um, and a puppeteer came together with us in the pandemic and helped us develop solutions because they think of things differently. So you could be someone who is in emergency management and is only a year in. You could be a technologist who has worked 50 years in the field um, and is an inventor and has a bunch of uh, patents. But it's just somebody who's thinking very differently. So we've had the opportunity to work with such an array of talent. Um, and we always invite additional talent because sometimes it's it's the nanotechnologist. It's the guy who works at the factory, at the candy factory, who just understands supply and, and chain supply and or supply chain and logistics, who just has the right way to think about the challenge to get us to the solution that we need. Absolutely. You know, ultimately, um, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the engagement is what it really brings brings out the um, yeah. the people thinking and thinking outside the box. So you're with your book, 
the 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 way that it's it's put together is the engaging of of the individual reading the book and 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 how they and thinking through the process. Uh, so as encouraging those to to purchase your book and to read through it and and, and be engaged. How is it that how does the book exactly make you think through the process? Yeah, that's a great question, Daniel. So we go through each step. Um, each chapter has a story of a, a real disaster that has struck. And then it goes through how that step, that specific step was used in that disaster. So for instance, let's take, um, let's take step two. So maybe I should go through the steps so you guys could know uh, each one. So step one is what are we solving for? Step two is who and why are we solving? And then step three is how do we solve? Lots and lots of solutions. How do we dial into one realistic solution? Um, so let's go, uh, actually, let me take you to, let me give you an example. So one, one great example is let's go to step three with the how, because you can actually see a solution uh, coming into play. So in step three, uh, we have to figure out a bunch of different solutions. So let's take that 2014 mudslide that happens, I believe it's in chapter six. In chapter six, uh, basically, our what is this big mudslide? 2014, you might remember Steelhead Haven. There was a big mudslide that struck. Um, unfortunately, it was devastating. 43 fatalities. Very, very sad. Um, step two, who are we solving for? We go through where search and rescue teams are asking us, and why are we solving for these teams? They need situational awareness. So then we have to come up with all these solutions, which in this chapter is about solving for the how. How do we come up with all these crazy solutions? And so what we do is we, we went with the search and rescue teams to come up with what seemed like solutions that were unrealistic, but we needed to ground. And one of those solutions was this idea of trampolines in the mudslides. Um, and you're probably asking me, why would you use trampolines in a mudslide? Well, in this situation, we didn't actually use trampolines. But we use that idea to get us to flying drones. So let me actually show you. I'm going to show you a little bit of this. Um, let's get to the... Should have marked this. <laughs> oh, no, this is the RoboZoo. <laughs> it's hard I, 500 pages because you have to scroll. But, um, but in this... Oh, here we go. So what we did was... At first, we came up with this solution. This... Um, I got to go this way. Um, this trampoline solution right here. And as you know, there were trampolines in the area and it was to displace, displace weight so that the responders could get around the mudslide. Um, but what we ended up settling on for our actual solution was this drone. Here we go. Um, drone imagery across the mudslide with a group called Roboticists Without Borders. Um, well, I'll tell you that when we got that imagery back, it wasn't actually high enough resolution for us to do it. So we finally, our final solution when we went through the three-step prep was actually laser scanning uh, with LIDAR. And that allowed us to create this 3D printed map that search and rescue teams were able to go into um, and, and know where the river had flowed and how things had changed. So the book is really about us interacting together. And the thing is, is just because we came up with one way to do it, doesn't necessarily mean there aren't other really fantastic ways. And so we'd like to hear from the community about ways that they're solving in these real and hypothetical examples. That's awesome, Dizzy. Dizzy, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, I want to talk about that, that process of getting the community involved and how maybe emergency managers can actually use this book as a, as a tool. 
Sounds great. The Outer Limits Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high-quality first aid kits. Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of medical or traumatic injuries often seen during austere conditions. Whether it is when you are on the outdoor adventure or your team has responded to a major crisis, the Outer Limits Supply Company provides practical, user-friendly first aid and trauma kits that anyone can use. If you enter EM Weekly at checkout, you'll receive 20% off your purchase. So go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. At Titan HST, we've deployed mesh networking, allowing emergency communication even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. Are you looking for that bag to help you keep organized as you travel around? Something you could carry with you every day? Well, VanQuest was founded with a simple mission. Build the toughest bags and packs for you to carry every day and to help you stay organized and prepared. VanQuest has been making the ultra-durable bags and packs since 2011, and their bags and packs are trusted by the clients such as the FBI, U.S. Secret Service, and U.S. SOCOM. Yes, that is the U.S. Special Operations Command. Their bags and packs mm-hmm. offer the best organization for the user-friendly experience, such as the high-visibility interior for the users. And I'm telling you something, I love that orange inside the bag because I can find the things I need quickly. I love my VanQuest bag. Don't forget, they offer free shipping, 100-day return guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. And if you put an EM Weekly, all caps, all one word, you get 10% off your total purchase. VanQuest.com. Well, welcome back from that quick break. And thank you so much for, for listening. And please reach out to those sponsors. Let them know that you heard them here because without them, we could not be bringing you the quality program that we do here at EM Weekly. So um, getting a community programs going on. And um, Eileen, um, she's on, on LinkedIn. She talks about the pillowcase program that uh, the Red Cross has, you know, things like this. Um, how How can we use a book? like yours or your book specifically into doing community programs to getting people prepared, to getting them not afraid of preparedness, but to getting them excited about preparedness. Great question, Todd. Simply learning these three steps. I don't know if you've ever been in an emergency where you're, you know, you're overwhelmed, your emergency operations center is activated. People are coming at you with questions. Things are happening. And have you ever had that moment where you just shut down? (laughs) Yeah, right. So so for instance, uh, I had that happen in front of 2000 emergency managers in Toronto back in 2016. I had stage fright. I'm running a do tank, teaching the three step prep process. And I just could not. I just I froze. I was frozen. And it was literally an awkward minute or two. It felt like an hour um, that I was on the stage in the basement, in my amygdala, not able, like, I just wanted to run off the stage, frankly. I wasn't looking to fight or freeze. I just wanted to run. Um, Luckily for me, I had the three steps in my back pocket. I was teaching them, and I thought about what am I solving for? I'm 
have, I'm solving for the stage fright. I knew. So it immediately took me out of being in my head and made me much, much more present. And then I was able to jump back in to the process and work with these 2000 emergency managers to learn the three-step prep. So Future Survivor is obviously great stories and some unsung heroes that are really interesting in history. But if you're an emergency manager or you're someone in the field, maybe you're a pro program manager, suddenly you find yourself not being able to clearly come up with a solution or you feel that fight, freeze or flight, you Mm can use those three steps to get yourself out of it. And then even further, you can get your teams to start thinking creatively, whether you have a lack of resources, personnel or time to use a simple three step process. And so the neat thing is, is if you go into the book, you can see that in the back, we've actually put, oh, here, I got to get this, um, <laughs> put this in uh, the like frameworks, the blank frameworks in the back. So as you're practicing every single framework throughout the book, you also have additional forms that you can use uh, to be able to solve in your own crises, large and small. Absolutely. So I have a question. If, Say someone's going through your book and, they, and they're going through and they're designing their like, well, This would be a great idea. This would be a great function to 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 allow for future events um, to aid in response recovery or even mitigation. And they, how do they let you know that? How do they let you know? Look, this is a, this is an idea I came up with by reading your book. How do they? How do they contact you to say, this is an idea I'd like to run by or here's an idea that I think you should try. I, I love that when people and we've had actually had a lot of folks from all over the world already contacting us and telling us about some of the solutions they're applying it to. Um, we even had a group um, out of well, we've had a couple of folks out of the UK and Australia, um, Norway, uh, Mexico and Canada. Um, you can go to info at futuresurvivor.org. That's info at futuresurvivor.org. Um, or otherwise, uh, if you go to our website, it's also right on the futuresurvivor.org website. And you can just send us an email, say hi. Love to hear stuff. Do you plan on creating a curriculum to go with this? Because I think this would be a great, you know, a community education piece. I, I fully agree. And in fact, we have been doing this curriculum for years in communities. Um, so, so those do tanks that you mentioned, Todd, we go all over the world. We've been from the Netherlands running cybersecurity three-step prep do tanks to uh, the floods that happened in Alberta. To We were actually in the city of Ottawa last year, last October, working with them after they had tornadoes and back-to-back flooding. Um, and then, of course, all over the United States and Mexico. Um, so that's the same curriculum. And we have been flirting with a couple universities that many of the emergency management community uh, knows very well and dear about bringing it into that system as well. So you're right on track. Cool. So we have a question of why, why'd you go with purple? Ah, thank you. Very astute question. And everything about this book is something uh, there's a reason for it. So I'm, I actually have the reason in the back of the book. Um, do you want me just to read it? Sure. Sure. It's um, just so everyone knows, for those who are into color palettes, this is the Pantone color 1838-38. And it's ultraviolet, which communicates originality, ingenuity, and visionary thinking that points us toward the future. Complex and contemplative, ultraviolet suggests the mysteries of the cosmos, the intrigue of what lies ahead, 
and the discoveries where we are now. The vast and limitless night sky is symbolic of what is possible and continues to inspire the desire to pursue a world beyond our own. This purple has also been symbolic of counterculture, unconventionality, and artistic brilliance. Uh, Pantone 1838 ultraviolet symbolizes experimentation and nonconformity, spurring individuals to imagine their unique mark on the world and push boundaries through creative outlets. So the point behind the purple of the book, which you'll see throughout the entire book, is um, is really to inspire people to think beyond because our field is going to have to think beyond in in the very near future, if not now. Absolutely. That's that yeah, is that's a, a, a wonderful reason. That's an amazing reason, and it's it, it's you know I go paint my wall that color now because of the <laughs> reason. But uh, yeah, no, so that's good to think outside the box. And what that's what we teach emergency managers, right? We got to think beyond. We got to look further than what's right in front of us. So that's a it's a it's a great a great concept, and it's a great you know principle actually. So uh, thanks for sharing that. It's a great question. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know when we take a look at things, I mean, everybody has symbolism and, and whether you know it or not. Right. I mean, if you think about the red, white, and blue automatically think of, of the United States. Right. And either, even though other countries have red, white, and blue in their system, you always automatically think of the United States, you know? <clears throat> so when you think of purple and, and the other thing too, is, is definitely is have that survivor uh, feel to it. You know what I mean? Um, so <laughs> Laura, Laura Hernandez says, Good color for EOCs. Yes, I, I agree. Let's paint all of our EOCs uh, this this purple. <laughs> if, there's, <laughs> if there's one thing that that one lesson that you could give today for for emergency managers and for people in the space to take away from this conversation, you know what what would it be? We are all going to have crises, calamities, and catastrophes, large and small. Um, whether it's in our emergency operations center or whether it's in our homes. Um, But we are all able to come up with innovative and creative ways to solve things in real time and change our futures so that we can become future survivors and that we can build a cadre of future survivors. So that would be my takeaway is let's keep building this cadre of future survivors one at a time. Absolutely. So I do have one more question here and then I'll give it back over to Dan. Um, when we talk about the idea of preparing our communities and, and I said this in the beginning, but I just kind of want to delve into a little bit deeper. We used to use, maybe we still do use fear and, and using this book is stepping away from that. The concept of you're fearing people into preparing, you know, and I know that, uh, Eileen was talking about the pillowcase program that Red Cross does. The same idea of being prepared is is not being fearful. And it, oddly enough, in this last few months, pretty much because of the pandemic and other crises that are happening across the uh, United States and the world, uh, we're seeing more and more people um, interested in preparing. And I think that's a it's a good thing. But the the maybe the motivation is. I don't say wrong. It's really no wrong motivation, but um, not not a positive motivation. I, you know, I think using this book, you, you can you can go forward and use positive motivation to get people to be ready for not just earthquakes and fires and here in California, but for snowstorms and windstorms in the in the you know the northeast and and whatnot. And and it's very all hazard approach to it. Um, so thank you for doing this. And 
I mean, what's your goal with this book? What do you, what, what would you like to see if I buy, since I bought this book, what do you want me to get out of it? I want you to become a future survivor. I want you to innovate in real time. Um, I hope that the book is really, when people write books, they write it typically because they want to pass the baton onto the next person. They want the next person to be out there being a future survivor and creating additional resilience and future survivors on. So if there's one takeaway I would take from this is the stories are real. The There's a lot of unsung heroes that deserve credit uh, that we make sure there's a shout out to. Um, but most importantly, it's just to equip you with ways to be creative, out of the box. And like you said, Todd, it's not about fear. It's about inspiration. It's about building the next frontier, thinking beyond. Um, so if we can build that in our community and emergency management to be uh, future survivors, I think we are going to have a very strong and bright future. So that's my hope. So we, I mean, I, I like, and I like the thought, you know, we, we do think about, you know, we, we use fear to try and motivate people. And right now with the, with the way things are in the, in, in well, in the world, really um, with the pandemic, we want, I, I've said this before, we should take advantage of it. Uh, and try and, and try and uh, implement the stat, plant that seed anyway of why it's important that we should be prepared and not necessarily because we respond, we, 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 we respond to things so often and we do it so well because it's so sexy because that's the, that's the kind of thing we have to do when something, we wait till something happens and we're targeting emergency managers to say, these are, these are steps we can take to, to really reach out to your community and get them prepared. What can we take to the community itself? So what can you as your your, your book or your company to, to, to get that book to the community down to the lower level to say, these are things you can do versus an, uh, expecting an, the emergency manager to say, these are things you can do. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And Daniel, that's um, that is a great lead into the fact that we work with our community, right? We've talked about whole community. It's about everyone coming together. And the great thing about this process is when you learn it, you can teach it. And then you can train the trainer and they can teach it. So if you have emergency managers get who want to get their communities involved and they learn that three-step process, it's so easy. It's three steps. All they need to do is one, two, three. Once they learn it, it can be something that they continue to scale throughout, come up with really creative solutions that involve the emergency management. And a great example is we were out in Minnesota, this was last year, and the community came up with a million innovative drone solutions. And we had the emergency managers there and they got to be a part of the solution together. They also got to let the community members know when and how and educate them on how they can get the certifications to fly so we don't end up in any kind of disruptive you know, flight patterns and things like that. So, so the idea is we're doing this together. We are future survivors together, but these emergency managers can be a part of a movement in their community to build a, we're together, we're a whole community rather than an us versus them mentality. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be, you know, it'd be great to do like to use this information and this strategy as a pandemic itself. If I touch a few people, they touch a few people then touch, and it just keeps going, going down, go down the right. Yeah. Just let it, let it build and grow and grow. And next thing you know, we have a, we have a global pandemic of preparedness and, and mitigation. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Eileen, I, I love the idea of not bringing in fear, but bringing in empowerment. And I think that's what Desi's doing uh, with this book, uh, Future Survivor. Highly recommend it. Um, you can go to uh, futuresurvivor.org and, and purchase it, um, you know, and uh, you know, buy, buy, you know, buy a hundred or two books or something like that. Give them away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you guys come up with great solutions, please contact us. Um, we love to showcase communities, emergency managers, and certainly maybe there'd be a follow-up with Todd and Dan on EM Weekly to talk about what creative things you're coming up with. Eileen, I agree with you. It's all about empowerment. Absolutely. All right, Desi, thank you so much for your time today. Everybody who's here with us this morning, thank you so much for your time and, and taking it and, and listening for a little bit here. And again, I think bringing in great speakers like Desi, I think is really important. And again, uh, take care of everybody. Stay safe. Stay hydrated. And don't forget, follow us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, your favorite podcast player, and we'll see you next week. 